0: You're listening to the No Gray Areas podcast with Patrick McCullough. In today's episode, we welcome Pete Howard, Harvard grad and COO of an international emergency response team. He teaches us how
1: to see the signs of hope in a broken world. Let's dive in.
0: So Pete Howard, we've known each other for a long, long time, right? It's coming on a quarter of a century. I think probably. a little more than a quarter, yeah. We were in our early 20s. Yep, We were working together, teaching at a Christian school. I was teaching Bible, and you were teaching history, History, and then we started doing some mission trips with kids, and then you take us from there. You left me there at that school. I mourned for like two years, and then just quit, because there was no use teaching anymore without my friend Pete there. Yeah, so...
1: You went on to where? So I went on um, from there, I went on to seminary. Yeah. and uh, f- i actually got a masters degree an academic masters degree focusing on biblical justice looking at what does god think about and that was justice in the poor denver yeah. seminary right denver seminary yeah and then by just a gift somebody uh, the, the president of food for the hungry read my thesis and said hey why don't you come join us at food for the hungry and food for the hungry is a uh, International Relief and Development Organization, founded on uh, you know following Christ and caring for the poor and vulnerable in Jesus name. And it's what
0: you had gone to seminary for. That's what I'd gone to yeah. do. Yeah. So
1: I was yeah. able to go over to Food for the Hungry, which happened to be down here in in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, yeah. the headquarters. And we worked all over the world. And uh, yeah, I think you and I were missing working together. So yeah. I was able to twist your arm and get yeah. you to come down and join us. That's well.
0: That's I mean I like how you put that okay. because. Yeah, yeah. Just for the audience, I'll let them know, you, you always have a plan for, for my life, yeah. and that was the time when you went up there and you told told me what the plan was.
1: Oh, good. Well, it's a lot easier yes. to plan for other people than your yeah. own And I argued with
0: you for a while, but then <laughs> guess where I ended up? So you yeah. were right. You yeah. were right. So we ended up working together for five years. Yeah. I was there for five years. You yeah. were actually there for-
1: 18.
0: 18 years. Yeah. 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 What, what did you primarily do with Food for the Hungry?
1: boy I did multiple things I started out uh, at the in the president's office just supporting uh, the president on multiple uh, relationships and work around the yeah, world yeah so
0: you would travel with I, him I going, traveled yeah. with
1: him and for him and met with uh, donors and partners internationally and then the, the tsunami happened in 2004 which was uh, happened in Southeast Asia massive disaster and and yeah. uh, um, the the leadership said, "Hey Pete, would you be willing to go over there?" So yeah. I ended up going, moving to Indonesia, and then leading our relief operation there yeah. in Indonesia. That was about yeah, Which 2005. Was
0: a massive project. I mean, no one really understood.
1: Yeah, at that time, you didn't even understand. No, I didn't. I had no idea. And yeah. uh, at the time, that that was, I th- I believe, the largest humanitarian operation that in in modern history. Um, not the one I was running. We yeah. were running, but just but, the but whole all collective, of you together, like yeah. nothing
0: at yeah. that level had ever been done in no. the world.
1: Yeah, the, the loss of life was monumental and, and horrific, yeah. and then, but then the, the the outpouring of compassion from around the world was yeah. also monumental.
0: Yeah. Isn't it interesting how so often when we see catastrophes like that, we see the worst of humanity and mm. the best of humanity at the same time, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and In your field of work for the last 18 years, you've really been watching that. Mm. Up close, haven't you? The worst of humanity and the best of humanity coming out at the same time.
1: Yeah, you see that in war, the consequences of war. You see that in famine or drought. And then you see that, yeah, in in poor communities, wealthy communities, yeah. You see people at their best and at their worst. And the redemptive, I always love to look for the redemptive narrative in 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 all the stories that we're involved in.
0: Yeah, and you did see that a lot. So where where did you end up then? So you end up leading that, and then where were your your last – Decade or so. It, yeah.
1: So after leaving there, I, and had had the opportunity to go back to grad school um, again, and which was just a gift, um, was received it's a little, the fellowship.
0: Little, yeah. So the little school called Harvard or something like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Some school in Boston. Called, yeah. Yeah. yeah, or, yeah. Um, so
1: that was that was just a gift. That's why I like um, hanging
0: out with you. I feel
1: smarter when I'm with you. <laughs> well, I'm glad somebody does. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I had the opportunity to go there, and 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 so I took that degree, and then I was asked to launch our public policy. Team or uh, unit in Washington D.C. So I um, started that. Went moved down to Washington D.C. Opened up a policy office for Food for the Hungry, for which was hungry. Yeah. basically trying to get the you know the government and the, and global leadership to focus on caring for the most vulnerable, the poor yeah. around the world. Yeah. Did that, and then uh, met my wife at a small uh, little church on Capitol Hill um, in Washington D.C. And and uh, and that just started a whole new beautiful journey for me. She she was on a journey to get her own. Uh, a doctorate degree, and so soon after getting married, we moved to England. Yeah, and uh, she she uh, pursued a PhD at another small, small place called yeah, Oxford, Oxford. right? Yeah, yeah, something like so that. So <laughs> <and laughs> Oxford, you yeah, your
0: kids don't have a chance. No. Uh, so no. any anyway, so you we, have smart kids, by the way. Well, yeah. yeah,
1: thanks to my wife. Yes. So we got to live in Oxford, and while while living there, that's close to Heathrow, which is. Probably the best airport to live with doing the kind of work I was doing at that time. Because you traveling is, all over the world. Yeah. At that time, I was I had moved from the public policy side to directing our international relief and disaster response around the yeah. world.
0: Yeah, which means then you had this this global team that when something happened, a yep. catastrophe of some kind, we were there. You were like, you were there right yep. away. So yeah. our teams
1: on the ground would respond immediately. We would respond through partnership and our view is always often to respond through the local church and, and local, yeah. uh, those on the ground. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: it's yeah. such a perfect conversation we're having because this this whole podcast, No Gray Areas, it's built around Joe Gagliano's story, uh, No Gray Areas, a guy that made some really bad choices. Hmm. But yep. it's, then it's, so in, in some ways it's a cautionary tale, but hmm. it's also a redemptive story. And hmm. in your field of work, you've you've watched that all over the world. You've hmm. seen, poor choices that humanity makes and how it affects, especially the poor, yeah. but how it affects all of humanity. But then you also see all these redemptive stories. Like he just said, that's one of your favorite things, right? To yeah. see that yeah. redemptive narrative yeah. Yeah. play through. But one of the things that in, in our conversations, w- when we get together, uh, two, three years ago, I think you were the one that brought this out to me, This these three virtues. Hmm. And man, Pete, they have been transforming for me. Hmm. Um you probably see me on social media post them every once in a while and you're like, I'm the one that told them. Yeah. Right? I'm looking but, for the credit, but that's yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah. No.
1: <laughs> it's, it's Actually coming. I think it was it's back coming. to Aristotle and Plato, so you don't give me the credit. <laughs> okay, so. that's
0: true. And that they were a little before you, but yeah. so what these three virtues that you introduced me to that for thousands of years yeah. the yeah. world's been talking about.
1: Yeah. So the, these are called the transcendentals um, or attributes, and they're, they're things that all of us hunger for at our depth, and it's as beauty humans. as humans. It's beauty, goodness, and truth. And so these are what we would call divine attributes. They're attributes of being. It's it's what we are, but they're ultimately found in God Himself, and they yeah. are descriptors in their perfection of God Himself. God is beauty at its at its perfection. Yeah. God is goodness; He exemplifies the goodness of of all. He's the standard bearer for goodness. and We see that in Jesus Christ, and then truth, obviously He is the way, the, the truth, and the life. He is He exemplifies Those, the truth. You we're and just he,
0: quoting His own words, exactly. There. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I mean, it's 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 a beautiful Trinity: beauty, goodness, and truth of unity and God. Uh, is the perfection of that unity, yeah. beauty, goodness, and truth yeah. together.
0: So uh, you said that it goes back to these Greek philosophers too, Aristotle, yeah. and wh- why? Why did they start talking about this? What
1: I what I love about this, particularly as Christians, is is it it just it shows us that Christianity is not something over here. Christianity is the beautiful marriage of faith and reason, and we have faith comes to us through the scriptures, right? Yeah. And we yeah. and God speaks to us through the holy scriptures, but we also can see God in all of creation, all of humanity. And the philosophers unpacked, the philosophers of Aristotle and Plato and others, um, unpacked these three virtues or attributes, beauty, goodness, and truth, and said, these are what we all hunger for. These are the great hungers of the human soul. This is what we pursue. And and they knew that the unity of being or the ultimate divinity, they weren't described, they didn't know Jesus in the the way we do through scripture, but they described God through these attributes, because words for us are limited. We come up against the limits of what words can describe. Every language language, has limits. But beauty, goodness, and truth get us a little closer to describing God who is indescribable. So these are handles with which we start to get our our minds around who God is. And Aristotle and Plato were pointing, kind of signposts prophetic signposts of yeah. who of of God and of of the coming of Christ.
0: That's so incredible. So so what you're saying what they were saying really is that when you see beauty in a way you're seeing God, when you see truth yep. in a way you're seeing God, yep. right? Yep. yep.
1: Absolutely all beauty, goodness is God. All yeah. beauty, all true objective beauty is a signpost is is pointing to God. Is yeah. God's beauty. Yeah. All true goodness is is, is, is a gift from God, is, is yeah. pointing to God. And again, truth, the same thing.
0: You know what's so great about this and where I, I'm not I'm not using this word lightly when I say that this was transforming when we had this discussion years ago? Mm-hmm. Because one of the things I've done, and I don't, I don't do it every single night, but most nights I try to, before I go to sleep, I just lay there in bed and I ask myself, where did I see truth, beauty, and goodness today? Mm-hmm. And it is amazing how that gives you an, an attitude of gratitude, how it just... Yeah. Helps you see, because because really, what you're saying is, I'm asking, where did I see God today? Yeah, right.
1: And what I like about I was thinking about this this morning too is I, I love that game, and we we play at our dinner table. I have an eight year old and a four year old, um, and one of the games we play at dinner is we ask the question, where did you where? And we go around the table, where did you see beauty? Where mm-hmm. do you see goodness and where do you see truth? And it's beautiful. It's, it's wonderful to see what, what an eight-year-old, how, what they describe as beautiful that yeah. day, what they describe as good. Somebody might have helped them put on their shoes, you know, and that was yeah. something good. It, it, was, it was a kindness that they experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that's interesting is that all true beauty is also good and true. All goodness is beautiful. All true goodness, all truth is beautiful. So they're tied so the, together. They're tied together. It again, it's like, it's like the Trinity. They are they are they are perfected in their unity. Yeah. So something that's true will always be beautiful. Something that's beautiful will always be true. And what I like about that, Pat, is that we can have conversations with our friends, our friends who know Christ and our friends who don't, because these are common attributes. Common attributes that. All of humanity, whether you live in Africa, Asia, Latin America, Europe, the United States, North America, we all hunger for beauty, goodness, and truth. So these are common language or common language we can speak mm-hmm. about, whether mm-hmm. we know Jesus or not. And these can be a way to accompany people. Yeah, um, these yeah. attributes can be a way to accompany people to Christ Himself.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and it wasn't just Plato and Aristotle, right? No. Like it moved on. Then yeah. so there were the Ur- so- some of. Yeah, what so the, these
1: it. these attributes have been, you know, the early church fathers and yeah. mothers grabbed onto these attributes and saw them, you know, in that uh, brought them into the language of of of, uh, of the faith and yeah. the early church, and I think there's there's multiple ways to think about. So, it, like but,
0: early in the in the in the church history, we have two thousand years of church history after Jesus now. You're saying that truth, beauty, and goodness was part of the conversations they were having.
1: Yep, yeah. and they they became ways to engage the culture to way to the way to engage the philosophers of their day. I mean, think about when Paul when he, when Paul went into Athens, Paul didn't just use biblical language when he was talking to the Athenians, did he? No, he mm. he spoke with them in the language of the of their day, the philosophers, mm-hmm. and so. Beauty, goodness, and truth were handles with which the early church fathers and mothers could engage the culture of their day and and see them as signposts pointing back to Christ Himself or God, who we see incarnate in Christ. Yeah. And so they became great handles of and and a, a, a place of dialogue through culture and time. Yeah.
0: Well, and going back to your story, then just for you personally, someone who's witnessed the kind of things that you have, and I, I, you know, I know some of the behind the scenes stories that sometimes you can maybe publicly tell, and sometimes you can't, some of the things that you saw. Hmm. I mean, you've seen the really the depths of humanity at times, the, hmm. some of the most broken things. That would leave you shaken and broke hmm. if yeah. you didn't believe in truth, beauty, and goodness, and also see that at the same time, right?
1: Well, I think, yeah, I it, these have been a gift to me because I think life for all of us, life, life is a pilgrimage and it's a hard at times. It can be a very hard pilgrimage. And we can we can just start looking at ourselves. We can start looking down and there's enough around us that just can pull us down. Yeah. What these attributes do is they lift us up. They lift our gaze up. And eventually they lift our gaze up to Christ Himself. And so even in the in the in the darkest, most difficult places around the world. So let's let's take a place like South Sudan, which has just struggled through war and chaos and, and poverty. Genocide. And genocide. Yeah. You go into some of these hardest places or a refugee camp where people are, are fleeing war and you see God's beauty, God's goodness, and, and God's you, truth right this, there. This isn't just theory, you've no. seen it. Absolutely. So an example of this might be you go into a refugee camp and I, um, I, I'm thinking of specifically going into the Rohingya refugee camps in Bangladesh and these were the, the, the Rohingya fled with nothing into these, these really dest- difficult camps and, and you see a shack that might, might be some tarps or tents put together but you see the, the, the husband and the wife and, and they've planted flowers outside of their shack. So it's, you know, it's a rundown shack of tent of, of cardboard put together, but they've planted flowers. What are they doing? They're saying that I am made in the image of God and I have dignity and I'm going to project that dignity through beauty
0: yeah. right here.
1: Yeah. Or you see, uh, I, I'm thinking of seeing children playing, you know, and making toys out of trash, you know, making a little toy truck in a refugee camp. That's all they had, but they they created beauty. They brought order into the chaos. And that's that's them saying, that's God speaking through them that this child is a child of the king with incredible they're dignity. creating,
0: like they're creators. And they're, they're creators. They're, they're co-creators
1: creating. with God. Yeah. They're taking something, they're redeeming it and making it beautiful. And in that beauty, there's a truth that's spoken. So in that camp, you see this beauty. And the church fathers would say, beauty beckons us towards the truth. Beauty Beckons us towards goodness, moral goodness, and ultimately the truth. I, I Which love again the story. Is how they work together. Exactly. Like, yeah. They work together. I yeah. mean, C.S. Lewis, you know, talked about what, what when you, when you're, when you see a sunset, your heart might ache because it's so beautiful. And it's reminding you of who you are. It's reminding you that you're made for better things and you're made for heaven. And so no matter where you are, in the most difficult Places in the world, even in places of great war and chaos, those hungers are still there and they're alive. People are pursuing beauty in a broken world. You can see people pursuing beauty, goodness, and truth. And in that pursuit, they're actually pursuing and pointing to Christ Himself. Yeah. Sometimes they don't even know it. Yeah. But you know what does what does the Scripture say? The creation cries out. Yeah. The rocks and the the stars and the the universe, the trees are proclaiming the truth of Christ. So. Yeah, they're through their beauty. Yeah. They're proclaiming the goodness and truth of God himself. And so we get to partake in that.
0: You know, one place that that, um, I saw this lived out, I remember the the shooting that happened in Vegas a few years ago. Mm. Remember that? And a lot of people were hurt and injured. And, of course, the next day everyone's talking about the evil. You know, how could this evil happen? How could this do? Why? And certainly those questions have to be wrestled with. But I remember thinking along these lines, how much truth, beauty, and goodness did you see from humanity? Hmm. People that were shielding other people, people that were lined up to giving blood, people that were making sure that food was brought to first responders. And again, your your story, what God has had you doing on this earth is you've watched that all over the world over and over and over again. And you're so passionate about it. It's something you're you're starting to work with right now, right? It's, it's kind yeah. of this new venture that you're launching. Uh, yep. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so um, in the last year, God has just really put on my heart just the desire and need to see the the kind of work I've been involved with is caring for the most vulnerable around the world. Um, seeing those agencies and those organizations and those people who care for the most vulnerable to stay anchored deeply in our first love. And we, we say, what, what's our first love? Well, it's, it's the call of Christ um, on each of us to care for the most vulnerable yeah. and to... And it, it's so easy in our world where there's so many siren calls and so much noise and so much chaos chaos to lose touch with that transcendent first love that drew each of us to Christ. Yeah. Well, it happens to us individually, but it can also happen to us corporately with our organizations, our churches. Yeah. We like lose we can forget. We can forget the why. Yeah. Yeah. if you if you think of Simon Sinek, he talks about the yeah. why, the Great how and book. the what. Yeah. We become really good at the how and the what. What we deliver, what we produce, and we become very efficient, our scale grows, we grow in numbers. But All that becomes a clanging gong if we forget the why, the call, the missional call of God that Christ has put on each one of us. So what I'm working on right now, which is really exciting, is is working with other women and men from around the world within the relief and development community, those organizations that care for the most vulnerable, and creating an institute, the Institute for Transformational Development, which will be an institute of of best practices, um, a center of excellence, as well as mentorship. Um, where we pursue and fan into flame, keep rekindling that fame of flame of our first love, so that yeah. we don't go cold. Yeah. Because without the first love, without that, without Christ at the center of our work, it does, it, it becomes anemic. Yep. And yep. and our work becomes so often transactional versus transcendent. And so I think when you think of beauty, goodness, and truth, they keep reminding us that we're made for the transcendent. We're made for God Himself. And so let's keep pursuing beauty. Goodness and truth in the center of our work, and that'll keep us anchored in who Christ is. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's that's amazing, Pete. Th- so l- let me let me land this mm-hmm. with this. Um, how, how would how would you recommend us practically living this out? Like, this is what I've always loved, but you are such a deep thinker, and you're going to get people together, and I and I believe what you're going to do is have a, a a profound impact on walking with the most vulnerable in the world. But for us listening right now, what's a practical way? That we can connect to these three virtues that have been talked about for thousands of years: truth, beauty, and goodness.
1: Well, I would, I would go back to what we were saying earlier, and I, and I like to think of them, um, goodness, or uh, beauty, goodness, and truth in that order. Okay. Because I think in our culture today, people are longing to know the truth, but they want to see it first. Yeah. So make sure that the most beautiful thing is a life transformed by Christ. So if our lives are transformed by Christ, there is unfathomable beauty in that. Yeah. And our lives will become attractive. And then we become signposts wooing others and calling others to the goodness of the the moral life, the life in Christ. I mean, and what does a good life look like? Well, it's the fruits of the spirit. Yeah. Well, or it's joy, the it's peace, yeah, patience, exactly. Kindness, that's yeah. that that can be that's a good life. Well, woo people with a life of beauty. And, and we can do it through the arts, we can do it through our lives, we can do it through music, um, mm-hmm. but these are all signposts pulling us towards goodness and ultimately Christ himself who exemplifies these three. But in simple ways, I mean, again, going back to what we do at our dinner table, that, that, that game, asking each other, what, what have you seen today that was beautiful? Yeah, Where have you seen beauty today? Yeah. Where have you seen goodness? And 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 that can just be a great dialogue, but the other thing is, it, I find it relevant every day. Just this morning, I was walking home early from a coffee shop down, um, and I live downtown, or we live downtown, and I and I saw ahead of me a gentleman who was in in a tough state, um, homeless and in a really difficult state of mind and, and body, and I I, I I I I saw myself slowing down, like I'm going to wait till he's out of the way and then I'll go. But I I was preparing for this conversation. I thought, God's that man, as rough as he looks right now, he's an image bearer, and in him is the beauty of God, the goodness of God, and the truth of God is imprinted on him. Mm. So I'm going to see his dignity. And as I got closer to him, I said good morning to him, and then he started cursing me, and he said, "Oh, now you're you're scared of me. You're going to walk away." And I I just, just this voice, he has dignity. There's beauty in him, so I slowed down. I said, "No." I said, how, "How are you doing this morning?" I said, "It's a beautiful morning, isn't it?" He said, "It is." And then we talked about, "Yeah, these, the shade in these trees is beautiful from the sun." And then we started talking, and we 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 walked together to my house. At the end, um, we shook hands and and uh, gave each other kind of a blessing of part, of departure. Well, the only reason I was able to do that that morning or this morning was because I was thinking, "No, this man, mm. he looks." very disheveled. He looked like he's at the end of things, but no, in there there's beauty. It just needs to be uncovered. Mm-hmm. And maybe it just needs to be uncovered by me talking to him and seeing his dignity, seeing the beauty, the goodness of God in him. It's there. And it was. Once I started talking to him, he became gentle.
0: Changed your whole it changed how that conversation could have ended. Yeah. And I, saw, I saw him saw as
1: I saw him as a dignified person who's just trying to figure it out, yeah. trying to figure out how to get through life. Yeah.
0: Wow. Wow. That connects so well to this whole idea of no gray areas. And again, the power of choices, dignity, uh, redemptive stories. Yeah. Um,
1: I think every time we make a decision, we can always ask the question, how is this decision um, a decision that pursues beauty and goodness and ultimately truth itself? And I think we can bring that kind of into decision matrix.
0: So powerful. Yeah. So powerful. If, If we paused when we were making decisions saying is this going to bring beauty is this going to bring truth is this going to bring goodness yep. although you're saying start with beauty yeah so sometime um i am in a i'm a little frustrated and i think about saying something to my wife or kids or but if i pause and said will this bring beauty
1: yeah to this situation this decision yeah and I'm, oh okay, wow, let me rethink that, that that's, rethink about that's, that, that's yeah. amazing that's yeah. amazing yeah, yeah.
0: So, Pete, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for what you have done. Thanks for your friendship over the years. I'm excited to see where this is going to go. I think uh, God is going to continue to use you in amazing ways with this. Mm. Can't wait to see that. But one of the fun things we do on this podcast is just because of the irony of it, I'm going to ask you to share uh, two truths and a lie and see if we can we can hmm. figure it out now. I know for a fact you are an expert liar, so <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, just kidding. No, okay, it, it, but two truths and a skill. lie. See if we, as an audience, can guess. And you're yeah. gonna this is gonna be tough for you because for you to try to get this over on me because yeah. I've known you for yeah, 25 yeah. years. Yeah,
1: I don't. I don't know if I can get this over on you. Well, uh, so two truths and a lie. Okay. So I was a uh, tree faller and logger in Montana. You can obviously see that from my build. You could learn a lot from me. I can teach you some things about working out. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I learned And that.
0: someone that doesn't know, that is some of the hardest work you'll ever do. It is. Hauling, so, a, yeah.
1: hauling the chains up and down the mountain. And, yeah. Uh, so. Very I was dangerous. a logger. Yeah.
0: Okay, so you were a, you were a logger. Whether, okay. I,
1: whether that's a truth Whatever. or a lie, Whatever. you say, uh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, another was, uh, that, uh, that I was thinking about is I, I broke into a Russian submarine base accidentally.
0: You accidentally um, broke into a Russian submarine base.
1: Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, this is soon after the uh, the Soviet Union came broke apart. Maybe that's true. Maybe not. And then uh, maybe the third one. Let's see. Uh, um, I successfully ran from the cops.
0: You, you success. Okay.
1: I successfully evaded the cops on foot. Yes.
0: Okay. I know for sure the third one is true. Okay. Yes, and um, man, I know for sure the first one's true. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: You actually, you actually were a logger. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why we went into business together. I knew yeah. you could do hard. <laughs> yeah, you were going to be the brains, <laughs> and I was going to be the, the brawn. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we yeah. did have a we did have a business yeah. together back yeah. in our teaching days. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm going to say one in three are true.
1: Well, the reality is there's truth in all of them, but the last one, the way I said it, I said I successfully ran from the cops and I did run from the cops all night long. And this was in high school. I didn't do anything wrong. I think I was just yeah. scared with a group yeah. of other high school students. We And I ran all night long and I fell asleep in a truck in town. We found one of my buddy's trucks and we fell asleep in the truck. And in the morning there was a knock on the truck door or window and it was a policeman saying, oh, guys, we've been looking for you all night. We found all the other high school kids who were running, couldn't find you guys. Come on in. So I ended up ended up going down to the police station and getting a little talking to about you know what's yeah, good, yeah. what's right, what's beautiful. Maybe I hadn't made the best yeah. decisions. They probably but didn't use the words truth, no, beauty, they, and goodness with you. They but, didn't. But, yeah. but uh, it was uh, it was a small town. And it was redemptive. So I didn't successfully run from the cops, but I did run.
0: Okay, you 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 fooled me. That's good. Yeah, yeah. So that means number two is true. It is true. You accidentally broke into a Russian submarine.
1: Yeah, we were at a Russian submarine base. It was a very foolish decision. There was a gate ajar and we saw a submarine in there and we thought, man, that'd be fascinating because there was guards everywhere else yeah. and this gate was ajar. The problem is once we got in, couldn't figure out how to get out. And it, <laughs> Does it,
0: this go back to not successfully running yeah. from the
1: police? <laughs> so it took, us, it took us many hours to finally get out and we had to cross over a razor wire in a very remote area of the base to finally get out <laughs> and... Uh, an old babushka woman looked at us with and said, I've never seen anybody coming out of there. And then she found out I was an American. And, an American. Wow. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's great. So, That's great. Well, Pete, thanks so much. Um, really appreciate you, what you've done. Yep. yep. Great, great to be here.
1: Thanks for listening to the No Gray Areas podcast. To dive deeper into the story, be sure to subscribe, follow
0: us on social media, and check out nograyareas.com.